Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Today we bring to you a special episode recorded during a panel discussion on July 21st in collaboration with IVT Networks for Women in STEM. It's an exciting time for women in STEM as opportunities from bench to boardroom abound. Women now make up more than 52% of the employee base in the pharmaceutical industry and have been instrumental in the race to the vaccine during the pandemic. Embracing the need for equity and inclusion, pharma leaders are called upon to remove barriers and support advancement of women across the life sciences and beyond. As women, we can be the combined voice, lending strength and perseverance in support of each other. So I am thrilled to share with you this panel discussion, which was recorded during a live LinkedIn session in collaboration with Woman to Woman podcast. Now let's dive right in. Let's talk a little bit about how you got to the career you're in today. So why did you choose to study and eventually work in STEM? And I'm going to give each of you a chance to answer that because um, I think it helps our listeners understand where you came from um, and uh, how you arrived at the current position you have. So Beth, can you kick us off on that? Well, the first time I heard about STEM was uh, pretty late in my career. It wasn't a thing when I started. In fact, um, I felt like a lot of times women were discouraged from going into the sciences. So luckily, I had a a father who was an electrical engineer, and so I was always fascinated with all the stuff that he did and um, had some really great uh, high school teachers who encouraged me. And, um, you know, Mrs. Fatman, who is, I think, Mrs. Downs now and uh, Mrs. Weekly in my A&P class. And I was just fascinated with how the human body worked, how the biochemistry of our body worked. And I was just kind of called into it. And I, you know, started hanging around our veterinarian and <laughs> kind of helping out there in the, in the veterinary clinic and just, you know, fascinated with it. So, yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Beth. Erin, how about you? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I've always had a really keen interest and passion for science, actually specifically chemistry ever, ever since high school. And, uh, and especially had a passion for really translating, you know, complex scientific information for others. And so just decided to follow what I was most interested in. And that led me to my initial, my initial career in sales and marketing for the, within the pharmaceutical industry. And then now on, on my current path in founding Health Grizzly and helping people to really understand all of their options available. Excellent. Thank you, Aaron. Valerie. Yes, uh, I can pinpoint almost the day uh, that I heard about STEM. Uh, I was in a career day uh, session at my high school in 1975. And uh, that was the first time I had heard about STEM. A civil engineer uh, came to our classroom and I had never heard of engineering and I was actually a senior in high school. And this guy came to the class and he started talking about how civil engineers were responsible for infrastructure. They were responsible for all of the um, core uh, foundation of society, transportation, sanitary engineering, et cetera, et cetera, water resources engineering, uh, the guys who build the water treatment plants. I was fascinated and riveted because as a kid, I wanted to do something that made a difference. And I was originally thinking medicine 
when I entered into school, I entered uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, shout out to the Badgers. Uh, I entered as a pharmacy student uh, because I thought medicine was the best way to help people. And I switched my major at the last minute to civil and environmental engineering. And in 1982, I got my Bachelor of Science degree in civil engineering. But that's the first time an inner city kid like me had ever heard of engineering. Technology back in the 70s wasn't a thing. The PC wasn't even invented uh, when I was in high school. So I didn't hear about the technology part until much later, but that's how I ended up becoming a civil engineer. Excellent, thank you. Such an interesting story. And Barka, tell us your story. Yeah, I would say it's very similar to Beth. I would say uh, I didn't hear the word STEM until like a few years ago when I had kids and we started just getting a little bit more educated in terms of the, the education system. Yeah, I'm an immigrant to this country. Um, but I, uh, as a child, I always loved math. Uh, I would say I love numbers. Who converted that into the, the passion and the, the understanding how beautiful it is and it's a life skill is definitely was my father. I have the memories of him working in the garden and teaching me why you need to learn statistics because you can answer how big a tomato is because <laughs> without understanding that and you know that just like some people laugh at it like when you say that hey math is so beautiful and it's simple and easy and it just makes so many things just easy to understand and i have just stayed on that path of uh, my love for numbers and more specifically statistics Excellent. Well, thank you to all four of you for sharing uh, your background and, and your path. I think that just demonstrates how each of us has a very unique way of arriving at our positions. Um, and STEM is open to all, no matter where you come from. Um, if you have an yes. interest in science, technology, engineering, or math, you know, find your own way. You can, you can uh, build your path, so to speak. So for um, to continue on, I just want to talk a little bit about those who have been influencers or mentors for us um, in our path to a STEM-focused career, because sometimes finding those one or two individuals that really um, help you to see strengths in yourself and to understand the opportunities that lie ahead of you um, is the catalyst for getting us to um, our career. So, Valerie, let's start with you. Yes, um, I had many mentors uh, throughout my career. I like something that Beth said earlier because she mentioned teachers. Um, the first set of mentors that I had in my career were my teachers. I had teachers who early on took an interest in me. Um, they looked at me, said I had potential and that kind of thing. And one of my teachers even uh, took my other teachers and got them in a room together and said, this is the stuff that we need to give Valerie because she's actually ahead of the rest of the students in the classroom. So this is a shout out to all of the teachers in STEM. They shape minds. I think teachers should be paid more than educators because of the work that they do. But I'm the product of very good teachers. When I got into my career, I sought out 
um, mentors to uh, assist me. I didn't wait for them to come to me. I looked at people within the organization and I found people and I just asked. So for those of you who are looking for a mentor, don't wait for them to just magically show up on your door. Look around. They're there. And so I would oftentimes ask people, would you um, be interested in mentoring me? And I didn't use the term always as mentoring me. I used the term helping me um, because that's really what a mentor does is they help you to get from one point to another. Sometimes the term mentoring kind of scares people away a little bit because they think, oh my God, this is going to take a lot of my time and blah, 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 blah. But I would just help them. Some people, believe it or not, didn't know that they were mentoring me because I would just simply walk up and ask them questions. And that is a form of mentoring. Uh, when you're right in somebody's face, they're not going to say no. Okay, so uh, that was one thing that I did. Want to help? You know, most people want to help. So, absolutely. Yeah. But that's that's how I ended up uh, getting mentored. It's you know, folks that I walked up to and my teachers. Excellent. Thank you. And Beth. Yeah, I agree with Valerie. You know, that's very sage advice for all our listeners right now. Is just ask someone, and it doesn't have to. You know, you don't have to be so formal and say you know, will you be my mentor? But sometimes it's just asking for, you know, help on a project or asking for special, you know, not special, but, you know, special projects or more in-depth research or whatever, and they can help you. Um, My influencer, I would say, is in my first job, and it was all males, all completely males. It was chemistry. We were doing chemical engineering and completely, um, you know, I was the only female out of probably 40 people. And, you know, I was just getting discouraged. It was it was hard, you know, and especially back then, you know, people always would play pranks. It's just how it was. I don't know if that happens nowadays. I'm too old to be with the young people. But but I mean, just, you know, whether it's tightening things down too tight or something, I don't know. But um, my first mentor, Jim McClung, he was um, very wise and he didn't uh, obviously he didn't know he was my mentor, but I would just ask for, you know, advice or, you know, special projects, things like that, um, how to do things a certain way. And if I would get discouraged, I know at one point he did tell me that he always tries to encourage women because he sees that women have um, a greater attention to detail. We have ability to focus while under pressure, you know, when compared to men. And then we have the dexterity also to handle those small, delicate tasks that you may have to do in chemistry and biochemistry. So, you know, there's a lot of manual uh, dexterity things you have to do, whether it's from pipetting or, you know, and then the harder questions and be able to focus under pressure. And that was really all the encouragement I needed was just saying that, you know, women has women have the special ability. Go, you know, go with it. So. so Beth, you gave me a great segue. Mm-hmm. It brings up a great question. A lot of us were in classrooms where we were part of the minority, right, in STEM classes. So have you guys ever faced any roadblocks or challenges in your time in the industry, which you think were because of your gender. And I'll call upon Burka, maybe if you can start there. 
Great question. And uh, Divya, you and I went to actually same undergrad. So you know the story. Uh, uh, but uh, just to share with everyone, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, like as a child, I grew up with a lot of support, like for my family in terms of the math, like they encouraged me and like did everything to. So I never paid much attention to there's a difference between a girl and a boy when it comes to like learning uh, math. Uh, and then I ended up in this like the super prestigious school for my undergrad in India. And that was the first shock of my life, because when I showed up there, I was one of the 12 women in the class of 400 students. And and, you know, at that time, yes, you could be just mad at like the, this uninvited attention in good and bad ways you will get. Now, I actually think that even like the, the other gender also did not know how to manage this situation when you are like this strange thing in the class right <laughs> uh, but you know the way I look at it is that uh, now I think of that experience in a positive way because what they did was like those five years which I spent there it kind of just created this I anticipate the roadblocks and I work on them before they even become something which will drag you down so uh and today, honestly, I'm in a very fortunate place. Like Poshmark is like one of the, it, I call it like it's a paradise for women. And the, whether it's STEM and non-STEM individual contributor and a leader, like we have built this place which believes in uh, women. I mean, our community is mostly women. But, you know, coming here, it's not has been a simple ride. Like lots of, it's these are the experiences I have heard common across all women. Like sometimes, so generally people never questioned my technical abilities. Uh, and I think part of it might have been just I had ended up in a good college. People knew that if you went there and you survived to graduate, you were good. But when it came to the leadership and management, I think especially if you think of 20 years back, there was a perception of what that person looks like. And women often don't fit in that bucket. And sometimes people take that like, hey, can you handle a, a, a very difficult client? And uh, can you do this? Can you be decisive? Can you manage a large team? And and those are the things you just have to like, sometimes you get frustrated, like how many times I have to keep proving it, right? And But then uh, that's where like I will go back to Valerie that uh, you identify in that group, you identify the people who are going to help you and promote you. And my life has been also just... These mentors, and again, I never call them mentors either. These are the people I realized that they believed in me and I could go to them and I can discuss. And, and they were also very proactive in walking me on a path. And that's why I actually always tell people the biggest career advice is the find the people you should be working for. And in it's not the company, it's the people at the end who make the difference. So similar roadblocks like anybody else, especially as I try as I grew in the leadership ranks. But fortunate to have found men and women, both, who actually helped in this career journey, who could see beyond uh, what you look like and just focus on what you can do. Great, great, Berka, great advice. Valerie? Yes, uh, I, I will. I have so many stories, but I'll just share one uh, with you. Uh, I started my career at U.S. Steel and uh, as, you know, uh, the first female engineer in the engineering department at U.S. Steel was very interesting. Uh, I had people playing pranks on me. Um, I went into one part of the uh, plant uh, once and uh, the guy told me to turn on the light. Uh, when I reached up for the light switch, I grabbed the tail of a rat. Uh, so, you know, welcome to U.S. Steel. 
Uh, I I didn't flinch because I didn't want them to think that I was deadly afraid of rats, which I am. Uh, but they had hung a rat by his neck and everything. So I had the pranks played on me. But the biggest uh, moment came when I went into the area. I was called a management associate and I went into the engineering department and the chief engineer said, these five guys are, are going to work for you. And they said, meet your new boss. And uh, the looks on these guys' face, you would have thought that somebody just slayed their firstborn. Uh, it was uh, just an amazing look on their face. And I went, well, you know, I didn't get a welcome or hey, Val, or anything like that. Uh, one guy just kind of stormed out, um, you know, in a huff. Uh, I was literally the only female in the engineering department and the only African-American in the entire department, male or female. So uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, one of the things that happened to me there is uh, because of, I believe, my gender, um, they wouldn't give me any assignments. So uh, my first assignment after finishing four years of engineering school, they gave me the safety report to work on. And the safety report is just how many accidents were in the plant. Well, U.S. Steel had a 100% accident-free plant. So every week I would report, there's no accidents in the plant. There's no accident. So finally, I just went out and I started asking for additional work to do and volunteering for assignments. And that's how I ended up getting into engineering. No one was willing to take a risk with me to give me assignments. So one day I just told my boss, he was like griping about this project that he was working on. And I said, let me do it. And I ended up writing a computer program for this project that we were working on, saved the plant $2 million a day um, for heat loss within the plant. And then they started giving me more additional work. So the moral of the story is, if you're not getting the work that you're looking for, ask, volunteer. And that has been a hallmark of my career since the very beginning. But I had kind of a rude awakening when I walked into U.S. Steel. Uh, they were shocked and I was shocked. <laughs> what so. an incredible story, Valerie. <laughs> Beth, how about you? Yeah, I, very similar experiences to Valerie where, you know, when I, I remember the first time I was in a management position and it was all men working for me. And same thing. One person stood up and stormed out because he was mad because he didn't get the position. And and same thing. Just no, you know, welcome to the team. No anything. Just mad. And then I remember during the shift, um, I made a mistake. It was my first day on the job night. It was a second shift position. And I just made a simple mistake and, oh, they were just letting me have it at the end in the shift exchange. But then one saving grace, one person um, who shall be nameless, but he knows who he is. He stood up and he grabbed something out of his locker and he, he just read all the things that he ever did wrong. Like he was keeping track and they were hilarious too. It was like, I shorted out the centrifuge and it was a continuous arc that smoldered. So he didn't catch it on fire. It was a continuous arc that smoldered. And he just read all these things. And I was like, thank you. You know, it just made all the difference in the world. But, you know, I agree. It, it, it's the roadblocks. It's the same challenges um, as I'm sure all of us have, have had and had to work through dealing with a male dominant industry. 
back, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. You've all made excellent points, you know, like when you went to the management roles, the leadership roles, it was hard for other people to take a woman as the leader. And even today, you know, the number of women leaders across the top leadership roles is a lot less than what it needs to be or what it could have been. Do you think there's something holding women back from getting those positions? And were there instances where you were overlooked for promotions or from leadership roles that you would have thought you were well qualified for? And maybe we can start with you, Ellen. Yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, the, the biggest thing I think holding people, holding women back uh, is the top of the funnel, right? Like not enough, not enough girls are going into STEM related fields and it's, it's definitely getting better, but it's still not enough. And so I think we have to do a better job of making it like cool for girls to geek out in science and math and, you know, engineering and, and everything related. Um, you know, I think the second thing holding holding women back is is the very real obstacles of of you know balancing work and family. Uh, some of you may have seen my daughter running here in the background, which is I know a, a commonplace thing in our in our current Zoom world. But the reality is, in the the vast majority of households, uh, most of the household and child raising work ends up falling on the woman. And I think instead of trying to enlighten men to do more. Uh, I think what we need to do is a better job of supporting women and helping to give them the resources they need to be able to, to balance both. Yeah, I would say very similar thoughts as uh, as Erin mentioned that, you know, when women get looked over for this promotion, etc. again, going back to that, there is a perception like in terms of when somebody is ready for permission and women often don't ask that's like another thing which like Valerie was saying, like you need to ask for it. And somehow like the world uh, prefers people who are loud and, and asking for them and women generally hold back. So really encourage women to just uh, when you are, I, I would say like we are generally such a big crit critics of ourselves. Like even when you think you are not ready and somebody's saying you should do this, you should just go for it. And and I can guarantee you, you're going to do an A plus job. Like we are just not good at promoting ourselves. Uh, but then going back to what Erin uh, was saying, the things gets actually even more difficult for mom. And uh, that's where there has to be a conscious effort on uh, creating that support structure, the perception and the, the processes and the policies in terms of what we work and what are the rules of work. And and that support, I think we have, you know, we all have been in the workforce for 20 plus years. So we know that things have changed and we are thankful for those changes. But a lot of work is still remains to be done. And I generally take that. I think we as women leader who are here need to take the first responsibility. We need to be going out and talking in forums like this. We need to be sharing our stories to make it look like it's not a big deal that where we are, where we are. We all have the same stories. It's just that some of us got mentored or learned to ask and push forward, not take no for an answer and just just go for it. That's great it's advice. So important. I mean, everything that you have all said is um, it shows how resilient women can be and the perseverance that you each approached uh, not only your career, but your respective industries with. Um, and I'm just left thinking about our current environment. You know, we're seeing a push to get more and more girls and young women involved in STEMs, and it's happening at a younger and younger age, which is great. Um, but I'm curious how you feel the environment has changed for girls and women in STEM 
um, whether you called it STEM then or not, you know, since you first entered your field. Erin, let's start with you. Yeah, thank you. I So I, it's definitely gotten a lot better for sure. Um, you know, it was women in science and STEM, like it was very rare that you would hear about any any women who accomplished anything in those areas when I was growing up. And as the mother of two, two girls right now, I see everything that has changed. Uh, and so it certainly has gotten better with all the STEM related activities and camps and even recognition, I think, uh, of some of the achievements that that women have made within those fields. That said, we don't really do it enough still. <laughs> you know, the typical school curriculum, we all know it takes forever for school curricula to change. Um, it, it, it still does not recognize the achievements of, of women broadly in STEM. And I think that needs to that needs to change. We've actually supplemented it ourselves as a family. And, and one of my favorite resources and favorite books, and I have no vested interest in this, by the way, is uh, is a book called Women in Science by Rachel Ignatowski. It's an incredible yeah. book for yeah. children. And just the amount that I learned, you know, I, I should have known all of this and I didn't. I'm embarrassed to say the amount that I learned in reading it with my daughter has been tremendous. And it's just incredible what these women have accomplished. And yet we never hear about it. That's a great point, that Aaron. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> Valerie. Would you like to share yes. your thoughts here too? Yes. Uh, the women are hidden figures, and uh, it's really interesting. The first part of your question is: Have things gotten better? Um, they have gotten better. Uh, there are a lot of woke males uh, that are around that recognize the contribution of women and appreciate the contribution of women. One of the things that, um, you know, really kind of disturbs me, and it is my number one voting issue, is education among men and women. Uh, in the education area, we still are in some cases, and we being the collective American people and the education system, are still steering women or young ladies in the wrong area. And this is one of the reasons why I speak at a lot of high schools. I speak at a lot of grade schools because it is super important for us to get the word out to women and young ladies and get them at a very early age that this is a viable career for them. Many of the young ladies think that, oh, if I'm an engineer, it looks hard number one, or if I'm a technologist and looks hard, I'm not going to be able to have a family. Well, let me bust that myth right off the bat. I've been married for 38 years and I have two beautiful children and I've had a wonderful, wonderful engineering career. Yes, you can still be a mom. You can still be an engineer and all of that is still possible. Uh, but young ladies need to hear that story. And every time I tell Oh, young women that they go, oh, so you're married. Oh, so you have kids. Oh, and I have three grandchildren. So it's like, you know, you can have your cake and eat it too. The, the, the other thing I wanted to mention is that whole notion of uh, women kind of blaming themselves for the problem or the predicament that we find ourselves in. Um, 
it is not women's fault that many women are not there. The old adage, well, we can't find enough women. As an African-American, I'm really uh, used to that argument because they say, well, we can't find enough African-American. That's why we don't have enough in there. That's baloney. We're out here, but we're hidden figures. And so everybody on this panel and those who are listening to this, we need to stop being hidden figures. That's what all of us are doing here today. That's why me as CEO of Onshore took time out of my day today. This is important because the message that we have to give young ladies who are coming up and young women who are already burgeoning in the field, we need to tell them this is possible. It is possible for you to reach the pinnacle of your career and be a great mom and that kind of thing. Both of my kids are in STEM. <laughs> my daughter's in medical profession and my son owns a game development company. Uh, he's a programmer and a cybersecurity specialist. So uh, I practice what I I preach at home, but it can be it can be uh, a lucrative career for you. And I always stop to tell kids, um, if you really want to make a difference, consider a career in STEM, science, technology, engineering and math. Just look at what happened during the pandemic. The fields that had job openings that were still hiring during the pandemic, mm -hmm. science, technology, engineering, and math. Think about that. It's, uh, that's the reality. So if you want sustainable careers, this is the place to be. I, I just want to jump in. I totally agree with you, Valerie. I think you, you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong. I mean, I was swamped during the pandemic and my company grew three times, you know, uh, over, you know, so it's kind of one of those things where you're just like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is really where you want to be. But yeah. And I love how you made and I love how you pointed out that you don't have to choose between yeah. lifestyle and personal goals and a career in STEM. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Barka, did you have anything to add to this particular yeah. topic? So just, yep. No, it's just one thing I would, uh, I think maybe I reflect on this more like as a mom, uh, you know, we as a parent just need to be very conscious and intentional about what we are exposing our kids to starting yes. at like the early stage of their life. Uh, and, and, you know, the reason I say we need to be intentional, because if we just go with the flow, try searching on uh, like any site for the twice for girls and the twice for boys. And you will see the difference that if you're not intentional, the things you will end up with. I have two boys and a girl and I seriously have no problem. Like my girl is like one of those girls who plays with cars and trucks and fights over like the, the train tracks. And but, you know, it is like sometimes when she is in the class, she doesn't know how to play like those the princess game. And and it's not there is anything wrong. I think. You, we as a parent has a responsibility to expose kids to all the things and then let them choose. I, I think yes. I, I'm actually personally okay if STEM is not your thing. It just needs to be your conscious choice. It's not because that's what you got exposed to or subconsciously it got built in your head that, hey, that's that's a more boy thing. But you can totally see the differences in terms of from the very early age, the types of camps you find and the toys you find. And again, things are changing. Uh, but not changing fast enough. But, you know, each individual person can do their own part. And and going back to a lot of this education starts early. I actually do spend a lot of time in uh, speaking with the girls in middle school and, and high school uh, uh, just so that share our stories. And 
just like how we are all just very normal people have done the normal things. Yeah, I would totally agree. And even starting earlier than that, preschool and elementary school and offering those opportunities for all boys and girls um, to experience every different, um, not industry, but different type of learning um, and different types of toys and different types of interactions. Like it's just so important that we're uh, inclusive from the time, the earliest, earliest moments in time uh, for them. Bark, I'm going to stick with you for a minute and just thinking a little bit more about STEM. And, you know, I mentioned that there is a push out there uh, for girls to go into STEM. Um, but a lot of times what we end up seeing is that what people really mean is going into computer science based careers. We see more and more women who are uh, maybe developers or going into some aspect of computer science. But of course, we know that STEM is so much more than that. What are your thoughts on expanding um, that push to um, get girls involved in other areas within STEM as well? No, I 100% agree. Uh, you know, I am not a computer science major. Despite having gone to the engineering school, I studied math for the whole life. And uh, so this is another advice I give a lot of people is that never pick a profession because it's in fashion, because professions go in and out of the fashion. Just pick what you are passionate about. I mean, science is honestly just like sitting with this. You know, I do come from the technology world. Just but sitting in this panel, I have heard about so many interesting aspects of like the people here do in the life sciences and the healthcare industry. I think we need to, uh, again, I know that the, it takes time on, from the education perspective, the curriculums to change. But that narrative has to change in terms of people just talking about Especially when I'm like I'm in the West Coast, like in the Bay Area, it's all about the technology and engineering. And it's a but I think that balance has to come because uh, at the very foundational at the very foundation, it's like the, the few things, it's the science and the math and everything just builds on top of it. And we need to expose kids at uh, from the skills and the learning perspective, and then let them pick the career they want on top of it, as opposed to molding you for a profession, because professions can change. And I'm, I, as I said, yes, do we have to learn coding? Of course, we have to learn coding in my profession and many other professions. Maybe I am not a computer scientist for sure. So these are very. So again, going back to the teaching kids the skill and talking about that. And because that's where there's a lot of interest. Like, how can you get a kid interested in computer science? That doesn't sound very like I don't know what stories will you make, but you can make stories about the science because there are experiments all around you. You can make stories about engineering because that's how the things work. So that changing that narrative is important. It's also important that it's also important from the perspective that we are not going from just the one problem to the other problem. Okay, no STEM, but then the STEM is just computer science. That broader perspective is very important. Uh, yeah, no, you made a lot of great points. And it, and I love that it sounds like we really need to invest in allowing children to explore. Uh, and then they're going to find their best fit. Valerie, yeah. what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, in terms of uh, kids and how they grow, it is super important that we expose them to this. Uh, me as a little kid growing up in the projects and that, um, I had never heard of engineering. And one of the reasons why 
I think a lot of kids don't major in engineering. A lot of them haven't heard about it. If you don't have a parent or some other uh, close relative or friend uh, who is in this profession, it's not something that comes up in everyday conversation. I only heard about engineering in my senior year in high school, but I didn't know anybody. I always thought when I heard the word engineer, they were talking train engineers because those were the only engineers that I had ever heard of in my life. So I think exposing kids is really, really important. I think exposing kids to women like the women on this panel is really critical because then they see the very nature of what's going on. But here is the one issue that I am super concerned about. I'm super concerned about education in this country in general, um, because I think we are losing focus as a nation on what makes things uh, very important. I, When I was a young lady, um, I used to watch every single NASA launch in the 60s. I was fascinated with space exploration. This morning, I was watching Jeff Bezos uh, go into space for 17 minutes and come back. The interesting thing is, is that uh, kids' minds, now I was a little girl, uh, you know, in Chicago's housing projects. I knew nothing about what it took to get people there. I just knew that it was like kind of the coolest thing that I had ever seen is like a bunch of astronauts get into this tin can and shoot themselves up into space. How fantastic is that? But you never know what sparks a kid. And, you know, when you look at what sparks youth, that's what we need to be introducing ourselves to. But what we find uh, more importantly in our political and government area is we find education being cut, not added to. If you think about what was happening in the 60s, we were funding education. Uh, anybody who wanted to go to school, we had the, you know, for those who are old enough to remember the BEOG and the SEOG grants and that kind of thing, you pretty much got a grant to go to school. Uh, but today, we're taking all that away. I think that there needs to be a political change in this country where education is valued and it's not looked at as some kind of optional thing. Because if you think about it, those who are educated, think about this pandemic. Um, there are statistics that were shown that the educated folks, a lot of them, uh, were the ones who survived. Um, the, the pandemic better than those, you know, who just had a high school education. We've got to get back to educating our people. And I agree. Um, you don't necessarily have to steer a kid into STEM. I would strongly recommend that you do because that is how the world is turning right now. Um, but they don't have to be in STEM. Educate the youth. Keep talking to them and expose them to this STEM profession that we all love um, that has been very lucrative uh, for us. I always show a picture. And last uh, week when I gave the STEM uh, uh, talk at the University of Wisconsin, I showed them a picture of the project housing building that I lived in. It's one of the most notorious crime-written uh project housing buildings in the United States of America once was deemed as the most dangerous community in the United States. And then I show them the building 
of my condo that sits on the pinnacle of Lake Michigan. And underneath the slide, I say education makes the difference. Uh, I live in a penthouse in Lake Point Tower, whereas I came from the projects. It was a tower, but not quite like Lake Point Tower. So education is a game changer. And it really makes a difference whether, whether kids are exposed to this or not. So that's kind of my hot button issue. That's what I vote on. Whoever is for education, you've got my vote, local Thank or federal. <laughs> Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. I, yeah, I love the idea of like us lighting the spark, right? Yeah. I mentioned that. Erin, uh, thoughts on this topic? getting women, um, you know, in other areas of STEM beyond just the computer sciences? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think there are three things uh, that we really need to do. The first we've talked extensively about, it's really supporting them from a very young age uh, and helping to uh, and helping to give them the support that they need and encouragement to be to go into these areas. The second is is very related to that, which is you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but I, I just want to go back to, to, to it, which is to really change the image, right? We need to change the image of the female scientist. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, the female scientist was someone who had like glasses and like really messy hair and was like stuck in a lab coat. And, you know, that's not really the way it is. Uh, I went into chemistry. I was a chemistry major and I was in a sorority. Granted, I was literally the only person who was a chemistry major in a sorority in my college, but, uh, but I did it. And there's no reason why the image of a female scientist can't include, you know, having wearing high heels and, you know, having your lipstick on too. Uh, that's totally okay. And I think we, we really need to, to make that happen, make that change happen for girls uh, as, as they're growing up so that they, they kind of have that image in their mind. Uh, maybe in addition to someone who has like glasses and messy hair, because that's, Okay, too, right? Um, and then the third thing I would say is uh, we really do need to do a better job of celebrating and advertising women who do lead and also who have achieved in in these other fields. Uh, you know, we we've gotten better about it, but but we have so much more work to do there, and that's really critical. Yeah, agreed. And your hair looks beautiful. <laughs> No, no, great question. We actually just got a question too from um, our participants. The question was by segregating, right? Um, creating separate initiatives for women. Are we moving them away from the bigger group by giving them that extra attention? I know we're trying to push more women towards STEM areas, but creating more initiatives that are very specific to women is that a better way of doing it or should we just push them to be part of the bigger group? I think we should push them uh, to be a part of the bigger group because uh, I don't believe that, um, you know, separating women from men is really the answer. It's the assimilation of women into this community, but it requires on the other side of the that for those who are hiring women or bringing women into that area to be more accepting. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. 
Um, the real issue that many of us have experienced over our careers has been one of uh, the perception of our gender, and in my case, the perception of skin color. Um, that is really one of the things that kind of hurts the whole women in engineering. It's the the proverbial, uh, you know, male with the pocket uh, protector in his shirt. Uh, that's kind of the old perception of an engineer. Women are much stronger and they're more highly educated now than they were like 30 years ago. We need to get rid of and break down the barriers, bring the women in and let them assimilate into the STEM community and not necessarily do that. Now, after having said that, there do need to be programs for women because if there are barriers to the entry into this profession, we need to have programs that break down those barriers. So it's a little bit of both, but I don't recommend just putting the women over here and letting these be women engineers. No, we need to be bought into the broader community uh, at large and, and uh, deal with that. Uh, just one little anecdote story um, regarding that. I remember um, I was passed over for a position and one of my male mentors asked me to go into my boss's office and demand the job or tell him that I quit. And I basically kind of freaked out about that because I thought, man, you know, if he takes me up on it, then I'm out of a job and that kind of thing. And I'll never forget what my boss told me when I went into his office. He said, I thought you were happy. And so I'm thinking, okay, you thought I was happy so that I didn't want a promotion, really? Um, and this is the kind of thinking that we have to break down. And that's why I say we need to bring the women into the engineering community at large while also helping them to climb that ladder because it, it's daunting. And, you know, if you look at the number of female engineers who are doing other things um, because they don't feel welcome in the profession. And uh, that's a problem that goes across the board. That needs to stop. And I would say that for women scientists, women engineers, uh, women mathematicians, and uh, technologists. Sometimes the technologists that, you know, I work in the software industry, technology is kind of dominated by the boys. And uh, you just have to get in there and uh, make it happen. And it's easier said than done. Yeah, they're doing great points, Valerie. So we need to be part of the mainstream, not have our own little by stream, for lack yeah. of a better word, but be part of that wave. <laughs> and, and you brought a great point, especially in technology. There are less number of women. Um, so there are actually two questions. First would be, is it because it needs a lot of time commitment? You have to spend so many extra hours. And as women, you know, Berga had brought this up, most of the responsibility of managing family also falls on women. So you have to kind of look at that as well. And there's also this misnomer that, you know, women are not good at STEM fields. You know, they have to work extra hard to get to the same level. How do you think these are related? So I would love your comments on that, Valerie. Yes. Um, the latter part of that, uh, you know, women are good at technology when women are given the opportunity. And uh, that's something that we need to dispel. Um, it's a myth. 
No one would ever say that about a guy. And if you think about it for a second, just think about this for a second. Why are guys good at technology STEM professions? Because they've been exposed to it. This is what happens in school. And it starts at a very early age. Do you know that they say we lose young ladies around the sixth grade? And why, why are we losing them at that time? Because they think of math and science and that kind of thing as a guy thing. And then the women are off, uh, young ladies, I should say, are off doing other things. No, we are good at it when we're allowed to do that. And if you think about, you know, that one of my favorite movies is Hidden Figures. When you think about how come we never heard that a woman helped us get to space? How come that story was never told until 19, uh, 2019? I, I, that freaks me out. A woman was behind John Glenn getting into space. Um, we are good at math. And that woman was excellent at math. Glenn said, I'm not going unless she gives me the numbers. Think about that. But why do we have the perception that men are good, men are better? There is, uh, there have been gender studies over and over and over again. You know, God made all our brains the same. He didn't have a woman brain and a man brain and the men got the bigger brain or the better brain or whatever. No, we're all built the same way. So we need to stop that and we need to start talking about why. And it's other people's perception of us that's keeping us back. It's not that, you know, women don't have time. I mean, look at me. I've, I'm an engineer and I grew up in the technology, the dot-com era and all of that stuff. I still managed to stay married for 38 years, which is no small feat. And uh, I still managed to raise two beautiful children. Um, it's not even a time commitment because, you know, on a job, whether you're married or single or whatever, managing your career and managing your time, there are whole classes that are taught about that. Women can do that. It is the perception of others, of us and our ability. And even some women think, you know what, this is too hard. I, I can't do that. that. That's baloney. You can do anything that you want to do. You can Vanya, do anything that you put your mind to. And, and Vanya, you bring up a great point. I think we are our biggest self-doubters, right? We, we, yeah. we can do this and then we take a step back. <laughs> yeah. Beth, I would love to hear your comments. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think there's, a, you know, yeah, there is a misnomer that women may not as be a, as good in STEM as men, but I think men are better at telling you that they're better yes. or they're better to, you know, self-promote and to go in and ask for the assignments and the promotions and everything. And the best piece of advice I ever received, it was, if you're not, if you're not uncomfortable asking for something, you're not asking for the right thing. So you need to be, you know, when you're going in there and you're asking for the assignments or for the promotions or, you know, whatever for the raise, if you're not uncomfortable with what you're asking for, you're not asking the right questions. Women need to be more assertive. Yeah. We need to have confidence in our abilities because we, like you said, there's no difference in the brains, but I think women are more of the, you know, I, I for the first 20 years of my career, I was to keep your head down, work hard, you're going to yes. get noticed. And until you start, you know, self-promoting, 
and you're not, you're not really going to get anywhere. So that would be my best advice for the young kids out there that are entering this field or any field is, you know, be your own advocate and, and be uncomfortable when you're asking for those things because men have no problem. Trust me. I've heard of some of my friends say they just fake it till they make it. And I haven't really seen that in my, with my, (laughs) with my colleagues, but I've definitely seen it with some of my friends because I'm thinking, how did they get that job? You know, and they're, you know, CEO or vice president. And I'm thinking, I've seen that guy do a keg headstand. And I'm like, I wouldn't trust him to change a tire in my car. And, and so, yeah, you just, it, it's, it's hard work, but it's also be your own best, be your own advocate. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing. Women think that they have to be super, super qualified to do stuff. And like you say, I see some men that are not worth the paper that they're written on. Um, it's so that you, you don't have to be there. It's a lot about who you know. Yeah. I was uh, working in a, a pharmaceutical environment and I did primarily, you know, tissue culture and upstream manufacturing. And I was good. I was, you know, could write all the batch records, do all the work. And, you know, one of my bosses said, okay, we're moving you to, to downstream. I'm like, I don't know anything about that. He's like, you can do it. And, you know, he had more confidence in me and my ability than I did. And you know, it was great. It was fun. It was interesting. And I learned a lot. And yeah. And, and Beth, you, you exactly. made a great point too. A lot of times, your managers have the faith and them encouraging you in the right direction can make or break your career. So a lot of times, you know, the managers and executives need to empower their female colleagues to seek these leadership roles within the organizations and encourage them to do so. And this all comes all the way from top down. So maybe I'll ask Barkha um, on your views, how have you seen this happen and in which situations do you think it works best? Yep. So I would say uh, I do believe that the organizational cultures do get set at the top and uh, it can be done the right way only when you have the true intention and something which is close to your heart. I I think it's very hard to adopt it. Like I have worked in multiple companies and uh, with different leaders. The reason things are just so good at Poshmark is because I see that the uh, like Manish doesn't say this for the sake of saying he actually do believe like a lot of things we're talking about like women are just awesome leaders because we are smart and we also have the ability of pushing through executing things multitasking whatever you name it so it has to start at the top and just saying is not enough uh, you know you have to create those support groups and you know going back to the, the segregation point the way I look at it you need to create all the opportunities but you need to offer all types of support groups some women are just comfortable in opening up in that women support groups and you need to intentionally create it you need to invest your time and energy companies cultural values need to reflect that like one of Poshmark cultural value is embrace all weirdness and honestly that's a beautiful way of saying is embrace all diversity and in our performance reviews we actually rate people on that and that's where we are looking for when people have the reporting structure there is a conscious effort in terms of when uh, it could happen in both ways, like a men manager managing the women and the other way, we pay attention to those things because, you know, as much as humans have the good intentions, making them turn into something concrete to happen, it still does require some organization policies and the processes put in place. And that can only happen when at the top level, your CEO and the management team is ready to make it part of their agenda that, hey, we are going to make this happen. 
Yeah, no, great points. And Erin, you have established two companies, founded two companies, you're the CEO. How do you take this? Yes, well, first of all, I just want to say I love the concept of embracing weirdness. So super cool. Um, and yeah, no, I think it's it's definitely something that I I think of very actively, obviously, and in, in, as I as I was building Health Grizzly and establishing our, our culture. Uh, and I do think it definitely does come from the top down. And, I, it, you know, what's important about that is that it needs to be instilled just not only within the formal rules and kind of like ways of working, but also in the informal ways of working. Right. And so, you know, I can give you an example from earlier in my career, you know, formally meetings were scheduled between nine and five thirty PM. And that was fine. But I happened at the time to work for someone who was expecting to meet with people informally regularly at around six thirty or 7 PM. And that was a challenge for me as a woman who recently had, you know, a baby and a one-year-old at home. I wanted to get home and kind of relieve the nanny and actually see my child before she goes to bed at 7.30, right? And so it's those informal ways of working that I think management really needs to pay attention to because stuff like that can kind of creep up without, without people realizing it at times. And we have to be really, you know, almost ruthless about making sure that we're being inclusive with with those uh, with those ways of working. Great, great comments. We're almost up on time. So thank you so much for all of your great advice and experiences. And I'll let Stacy close out for us, but we really appreciate having all of you here with us today. Stacy. Absolutely. Such great comments and discussion today. Um, I'm I'm definitely honored to be here uh, with the four of you and you as well, Divya, for putting this all together. I mean, I think, you know, from from propelling Americans to the moon, um, as Valerie mentioned, to discovering the first mRNA vaccine for COVID, which was also a woman this past year, by the way. You know, we've seen that women have been instrumental in driving the science and math industries forward. And I think this is an exciting time. And together, we can create more opportunities for more diverse work communities, which include women and girls. So thank you very much again to our panelists, Barca, Aaron, Valerie and Beth for sharing their insights and experiences with us today.